Hello and welcome to episode 203 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening are my wonderful co-hosts, Spirit and Shongaku, once again, here to talk about the expansion announcement. I think we're probably going to just put off the story discussion till like, next week or the week after, uh, for obvious reasons. But how are you doing this evening, Eric Shongaku? I am doing pretty fabulous. I have had an exciting evening week day it's been exciting today it's been yeah. busy a lot of stuff to think about uh and we're oh. natural windbags so it's gonna be it's gonna be an episode there's gonna be a lot of rambling uh mm-hmm. how are you doing today spirit i am being kept awake solely by the hype train so there's that which choo, is choo. great this i am weirdly a, enough not a back. favorable time zone so I'm, I'm assuming most of us are back on like the anet hype train i mean i was never totally off of it oh i guess that's true i mean we may have been dragged by my ankles at one point but i mean like yeah i'm back i mean we're still making a podcast about it so yeah, that's true that's true valid point yeah uh I-, I mean i think i think we're all excited um i think really one thing that i want to address right away before i forget about it is that i think they hit it out of the ballpark with the price point um I know that's sort of a weird thing to talk about first, but it's something that was definitely on my mind as as it approached because there was a big controversy when Heart of Thorns launched about the price point, and there was also a lot of confusion, miscommunication, uh, vagueness, I guess, because what happened was they sort of announced Heart of Thorns was launching and they announced that... You know, it was going to be, what, 50 or $60? It was up there. Um, and But at the same time, the base game was going free-to-play. And they made some statements that were effectively to the tune of, and I wish I had found it, and I looked for a while, but I didn't find the exact source I was thinking of, uh, that they didn't want it to be complicated where you had to buy a bunch of other pieces of content in order to play the newest piece of content and that they would always sell they would always sell a package that had everything right and mm-hmm. because that came out at the same time that they were making the core game free to play for everyone i think there was a strong correlation tied in people's minds that that implied that all future expansions would then make everything before them free to play which they never explicitly said but mm-hmm. You know, given the context of that, I think is very understandable to make that leap. You know, when you say we don't want people to have to worry about buying the right thing, so we're making the whole game free except for the newest thing, and in the future you'll only have to buy one thing, right? Um, so we're jumping straight into like the one thing that I thought might be super controversial. Well, right, because I think I think it's good to talk about the the controversy, or rather, the fact that I think I think we probably all agree that there won't be a super huge controversy about it this time well there is the issue that you that they are not selling them in the same package like heart of thorns is not in this package if you did not buy heart of thorns you still have to buy heart of thorns but you can do it as an add-on when you purchase it and you also don't need to own heart of thorns to play this that is true right and the heart of thorns is only a 20 dollar add-on okay so it is so it's heavily discounted Right, so it's this uh, pack is thirty dollars, right? Is the is yes. the base the base expansion? The base one, yeah. 
Yeah, so it's $30 for the base version and then $20 if you want to add Heart of Thorns onto it. And <clears throat> so that makes it $50 for both, which is a, effectively what people probably would have expected even if they thought that the, you know, that Heart of Thorns would become free with the new expansion would be that that would be under the assumption that the expansion costs $50 again like Heart of Thorns did. So the expansion is actually a lot cheaper than Heart of Thorns was if you already have Heart of Thorns or if you don't want Heart of Thorns, either way. Oh, okay. Uh, and, then you, and then you can add $20 to just sort of get both at the same time, which makes it still extremely reasonable. So, I mean, I think that allays a lot of what people were mad about the first time when they felt like they had paid full price for the base game and then had to pay a full price for an expansion when other people that had never bought the base game just sort of paid once, uh, this time you don't, right? Like, you can just pay less because you don't need Heart of Thorns. So. Okay, that's really nice, yeah. Okay, that that makes sense. So that's actually much, yeah. I was I was, I was was a little bit miffed that they were saying that because I've had a few friends where I'm like, oh yeah, they're just going to bundle it in because that's what they said. And uh, then they didn't. I was like, oh, oh, now I have to tell them. But if it's, but yeah, that, that does make sense. So it's like buying a normal like World of Warcraft expansion and you get two expansions for that price. Right, pretty much. Um, yeah, I have to say um, I'm a little bit disappointed that they didn't do the implement implementation that you said, uh, which is like have the previous expansion go free to play. Um, I think Hot is a really special case in which it would have really benefited them to do so. And I, I mean, they still have the option in the future, right? Although it would be a little bit poopy if uh you know people are buying heart of thorns now and then they're like oh actually we're gonna make it free to play but with heart of thorns maps being based around these huge metas um as people move off to the next expansion there is a real risk that these maps are going to not work as well as they have in the past and i know scaling content and all that but look i mean i play um at the end Stand. of the night yeah for Oceania already, there's a slot um, for months and months and months now. Um, it's like 9 or 10 o'clock my time when I would often be playing. Uh, that Jarrett just doesn't get done. It's just, it. I mean, I tried every night for a week and didn't get it. And this is while Heart of Thrones is the main expansion. When people move off to the next one, it's going to start to get really rough. So if they had had it where, you know, free-to-play players got to move into the Heart of Thorns maps. Um, they could have given free-to-play players something more to do. And because because in an MMO, and especially in these maps in Guild Wars 2, players are effectively the content. Like, you need other players to get things done. Um, I think it would have been a really smart move. So I'm not sure. I am, I am genuinely concerned about the health of Heart of Thorns maps moving into... The next expansion, um, yeah, and so I was kind of surprised and a little bit disappointed. Not like table flip disappointed, just like, ah, oh, bummer, that would have been a cool way to address some of the concerns I had about Heart of Thorns maps, you know? Yeah, yeah I, be... I can understand that, I guess, but I think, I think that then you sort of would have run into some of the same outcry that, like, you know... Basically, people that were playing for free just got what you paid a bunch of money for, and then they also could buy the expansion and end up with the same amount of content for very little mm -hmm. uh, if they kept the pricing the same. So, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, it's it's a tough situation, but I honestly think that they handled it the best way 
Well, I, I see merit in what you're saying for sure. I think that what they did was very reasonable, though. So yeah, yeah. Well, no, I I don't would... disagree. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, but with the pricing structure, it is actually a lot more sane than than I thought. So I think that's I think that is gonna definitely keep people a little bit happier. I mean, Reddit seems pretty excited, and they normally they're the first ones to like freak out about something. Yeah. Well, and also it's a big deal that it's that it works as an add-on rather than being like only in the deluxe bundle or something. You know, it's like, if you want it, just add $20 to your order, period. Like, it doesn't matter which order you get. You can get any version of the expansion and you can add on Heart of Thorns to it. And it like, because, you know, because that could have been legitimately frustrating if you basically had to shell out for the deluxe version or the legendary version or whatever the most expensive one is in order to also get Heart of Thorns. Like, I could see why that could have been frustrating if that's what they did, but, you know, the way that they did it isn't that way. So, um, yeah. Mostly I just wanted to get it out there because I think the rest of this episode, we're going to be so uh, tangent. <laughs> we're going to be so tangenty <laughs> talking about all of the class abilities and the new sure. maps and the new uh, exploration and, and all of those things because they gave us a huge info dump today. I mean... I was astounded with the amount of stuff that they just told us all in one burst. It's uh, yeah. Are we are we going to talk about that? Can we move on from the price point? Because absolutely, I have to say yeah. About that. I think we said our piece. Sure. I was really super impressed with how they handled, um, sh- like showing us actual interesting footage. Like we didn't just get a bunch of hype talk and trailers, cinematics kind of things most of like i would say like 85 percent or more was in-game footage which was fantastic yeah that was really nice it and it looks it looks really good i think they've tweaked some of like water effects and stuff is what i'm is what i think i saw yeah wooden potatoes was saying they've up to the draw distance in the new maps which looks i mean you can really tell it looks real good especially like i one of the things i've complained about um, in this game in relation to other games that I've played, uh, you know, in recent years, I guess it's been a while since I played Terra, but, uh, and Terra and Black Desert, when I was dabbling in those, it would be like, I would see a thing off in the distance and I would be like, I want to go stand on the thing. And I could for the most part, um, in Guild Wars 2, things on the edges were either obscured by terrain because they've got these like crazy vertical terrain maps or, um, we're just like too far away not accessible uh, i don't know like it's hard to explain i guess like when you see divinity's reach off in the distance right you can go there but it's not really the same once you're in the map like you can't just approach it and walk up into it you have a the map border there and i guess that's part of uh you know zones being split but it's that kind of thing where i want to see something in the distance and i want to go find it and that makes me pleased as an exploration person yeah, and I, I think a fair degree of that is, you know, layovers from Guild Wars 1 design and also just pure tech because, you know, those games are a lot newer and went into development a lot later than Guild Wars did. And so there's a certain degree to which Guild Wars is is a product of the time it was started, which was 2007. Yeah. You um, also have the issue that if you guys have read any of the postmortems on Star Wars Galaxies, server architecture plays a huge role in how much you can actually put into an MMO map and like how big the map can be, 
before you start getting a lot of those sorts of issues. And I suspect that part of that is, is Anet may ha have made the maps as big as they could, but as technology improves and server tech gets better and memory gets cheaper and CPUs get faster and hard drive space, um, storage space gets bigger uh, and cheaper, you can actually begin to build these bigger because your machines are more capable of reliably running uh, the amount of visual effects and and triangles and all that stuff that you need to run too. So I think what we're seeing too is like we're seeing their server tech improve. Yeah, but that's also bound to be slow because a lot of this stuff is their own custom engine and right. you know one does not simply increase some numbers and flip some proverbial switches. Uh it's yeah. it's complicated stuff. So yeah, I mean tweaking the optimization and everything, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I guess the end point is yes, it's really nice to see that, and it's but it's understandably difficult to do. So that's it's very it's very visually impressive and appealing. And they, I think somebody was saying something that like these five maps because we're getting five new maps. Uh, I assume everybody that's listening to this has probably already seen the video, but uh, we're getting five new maps. And people were somebody was quoting, I think it was one of the articles that these five maps are like as big as the heart of thorns maps and the living story maps like combined uh, like they're huge and Holy i don't smokes, know if that's kind of awesome yeah i mean i don't know if that's like a directly true thing but even if it's even close that's that's insane like mm -hmm. that's gonna be fabulous because i've been impressed at how much bigger these maps have been getting yeah a lot of these living story maps have been very large when you consider the fact that they're, you know, splitting these teams up and, and producing content relatively quickly. Uh, the scale of these maps has been really impressive, which is, I mean, it very much speaks to the type of player that I am because I really like the exploration aspect. And so that's something I've been consistently very happy with with this latest season of Living Story and ostensibly with this expansion. Yeah, I'm. I I I was kind of excited when they when one of the guys talking about the expansion said we want to get back to the exploration of Guild Wars One. I was like, well, I kind of or Guild Wars Two's launch, which I mean, I kind of like the exploration that happened in in Heart of Thorns, except for the fact that it was almost all meta event driven, which eh, I guess take or leave. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I really enjoyed exploring Heart of Thorns. Uh, I thought the maps were huge and gorgeous and. So, I mean, if they're if they're topping that, that's super exciting for me. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it, I they do look really neat. I mean, Polygon's got footage of one of a map out there, which is kind of of actual gameplay, which I thought was interesting. So there's there's just a lot of stuff that's already coming out. It's like unleash the unleash the floodgates. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of unleashing the floodgates, uh, preview weekend. A week oh, from yeah. Friday on the 11th. Well, yeah, I was not expecting it to be like now. I mean, how preview weekend releasing in a month and a half. That's like six weeks from now, right? The 22nd. Yeah, I think 53 days was the count, I believe. WoW announces an expansion and you wait two years. I guess technically Arena did that last time, too. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean. I I think most of us were expecting it to be more in the October at the very earliest, but more likely November or December. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I was I was still I was very much so in the 
it's probably 2018 camp guys yeah i mean it's this is this is a an awesome turnaround time like that i was just my mouth was almost hanging open when you know when they finally got to that and they're like oh by the way september 22nd like that's crazy and yeah and then a a a beta weekends uh i guess that's open for everybody which is neat right Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't need to have an account to play although i have a hard time imagining somebody that hasn't played any guild wars 2 like logging in to do a beta of an expansion but uh i think you'd be surprised like i mean this is a time when uh i think it's a really good opportunity for people who kind of skipped heart of thorns to reevaluate guild wars because it's changed a lot since heart of thorns especially in the later half of heart of thorns so if they're like eh, heart of thorns isn't really my deal but I don't know, maybe they come back now and hear some good things about the game and decide to buy it. Yeah, I mean, it's great that they have it, you know? I hope it yeah. pays dividends. Like, I have no no objection to that. Honestly, I'm not sure how much I want to do the betas. Like, I I kind of think I want to just go in as, as uh, fresh as I can, which makes it a little bit hard to run a podcast about it, I guess, but... Okay, well, I will tell you right now that uh, my plan for the preview weekend is to do nothing but pvp i am going to uh do all the pvp achievements i can while everyone is as bad as me um because they're playing all the new classes and i'm just gonna grind pvp all weekend and <laughs> play the new classes well do we think the achievements will actually carry over they did last time uh all the stuff for stronghold and heart of thorns counted for your main account so i'm oh. quite keen to give that a try again dang well, that's kind of sweet that's a good I, pro tip. Okay, I, so uh, RO team on Friday? <laughs> I make no promises, but uh, everybody's welcome. That's, yeah, that's going to be, man, it's, everything's happening so soon for it. It's it's pretty nuts. Yeah, I, good lord. I mean, I was assuming that we were going to probably take a break in a couple weeks here after we sort of finished thrashing out the living story chapter, but then mm-hmm. it's we're going to go immediately from that into... Uh, expansion previews and probably more information or things that they talk about and then basically it's going to be packs and then straight into the expansion uh yeah it's crazy so do you guys want to talk about professions first or do you want to talk about the elephant or should i say raptor in the room I think we should talk about the raptor in the room because I'm actually pretty excited for these guys, and I hear some people are are not as on board with the with this as I am. Yeah, I I think it's uh, I think mounts are a very interesting decision. Uh, why don't you go first though, since you're excited about it? So if you've watched the reveal, which I suspect most of the people who listen to our podcast have, uh, basically there are mounts in the there are going to be mounts in the game, and they have added five mounts. Those are going to be our core masteries. There four. is a four. They've added mm-hmm. four. Oh, that's right. My five theoretical maps, fifth mounts. mount. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, I have a theoretical fifth mount that I think will exist, um, but I'll get into that when I warn everyone to put tinfoil hats on uh during our tinfoil hat section but yeah so there's four mounts there's a raptor which can hop a really long ways vertic- uh horizontally there is a rabbity thing um that can jump really high there is a super awesome manta ray thing that glides over the water and apparently also like can 
hover a little bit, so it's like a, a manta ray that doesn't swim in the water but swims over it. It's a manta ray that's scared of water, I guess. Which is clearly proof that ArenaNet has abandoned underwater content. Because they want you to avoid it at all costs. They want you to go over the water, not under it. I'm just kidding about that. Sort of. Yeah. Kind of. So... Yeah, so that so you've got the Mount Array, which I'm excited for because as much as I love the underwater the content array. in Guild, the the Mount Array, I just good at good at pronouncing these words. Mount Array, I think, is a totally different subreddit. <laughs> I think that's actually a, isn't that a Linux one for RAID drives? <laughs> I probably yeah. Oh, so anyways, uh, so there's Mount Arrays. There are a lot of, uh, and then the the last one is something that I should actually remember let's see it is a oh it's a jackal it's a djinn it's basically a djinn mount how could i forget this it's a dust an elemental dust mount that can teleport which is pretty cool so everyone gets like short range ports basically which I'm everyone's a short excited thief. about yeah who needs short bow thief now short bow thief won't need five anymore pvp I suspect mounts will not be in PvP. No, I mean, that's where shortbow thieves will oh. be. Yeah. yeah, they'll be like, fine, I'm going to take my toys and go to the mists. So so I think they're all, they're pretty interesting. They each have a number one skill, which is going to give you some, uh, some combat engage. And then it looks like we're getting an extra skill next to the number 10 uh, skill, next to your elite skill that's going to be like X or something to summon your mount from the ether uh which i'm not as excited about but i can come to terms with it because they all look pretty cool and i am very curious to how how much they're going to be charging for those mount skins but uh aside from that probably think, the uh, same as glider skins i uh, yeah because you got to remember now they can sell five or four times as many that's See, now true. that you said five, I'm going to keep saying five. No, they, they can okay. sell four times as many, right? They don't have to just, like, design a million glider skins. Nobody needs to buy four glider skins, but you probably will buy four mount skins, right? Probably. Yeah. Genius. So, I'm pretty I, I'm pretty excited to see what they do with it. The one thing that I am a bit weirded out about is they have a raptor mount that has no feathers. Uh, well, raptors in Tyria don't have to be based on raptors in real life. No, but all the raptors that we've seen in Tyria have feathers. That's also true. I had forgotten that. <laughs> so, I mean, we literally have something called a pocket raptor. But it these are Elonian. These are Elonian raptors. I just feel like like whoever is the uh, is a naturalist in Tyria is like. Eh, they both have sharp teeth and little stubby arms that sort of stick out to the side. They're pretty much the same thing. <laughs> and someone's going, that, that raptor has a spiky tail, no feathers, its bones probably aren't hollow. Your bones probably sure aren't hollow. sure those are the same thing? <laughs> My bones are, are full of whatever it is that bones are full of. I should probably ask my wife that. <laughs> Marrow. Yeah, yeah. Maybe calcium. Yeah. Well, I think I've sucked the marrow out of this topic. Does anyone else have any opinions on mounts? Spirit? Um, I am, as of right now, almost complete ambivalence. Like, they're cool. Um, they 
I think make a lot of sense to implement as masteries. Like that just it makes sense to me, like as part of the mastery system. A lot of the oh god. Hunter is and and will continue to be inseparable for a while about this, but I will say that most a lot of masteries have functioned similar to mounts already and that they help you get around better. Um, so it just seems like an extension of that. I'm kind of disappointed that all, um, like they said explicitly that all masteries in the next X-Pack are tied to mounts. So there's no sort of interesting or unknown quantities when it comes to masteries uh, upcoming, which is a little bit disappointing. Um, yeah, I guess that that's it. They're just, it's a not much of a surprise i guess in terms of what the mounts are gonna do um were you surprised that they do not have mounted combat because i was kind of expecting if we ever see mounts that you would actually be riding them into battle in very specific situations not really i'm surprised that they only have one skill um i think that there's more they could have done with it but yeah, like, just the fact that they only have one skill, like, they don't even have any... I don't know, it's just so disappointing, like, it, like to have a bundle and only get one skill on it always irritates me. Like, why did you switch out all my skills if I'm not gonna get anything new from it, right? Like, why don't we just get a special action while we're at... I don't know. I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, that hasn't struck me as particularly interesting, that engage skill yet. Yeah, I mean, if not to bring up the gliders or mounts debate again, but we in our living story got an entire living story map where our gliding got five new skills. And by new, I mean skills, because normally gliding doesn't have any skills. Mm -hmm. um, and those all seemed really cool and thematic. Uh, I, to respond to Eric, I am, I think, glad that there is not mounted combat as a focus because I think it would be very difficult to balance with class identity. Um, and it would be very difficult to not just have it fall into the trap of it either just being strictly better, in which case it sort of obsoletes entire professions, or just being worse, in which case it's like, why would anybody play the generic type of combat of, of the mount when you've got your class? So I think that barring a specific situation in which you use mounts, like if you, if they had a you know, a new PvP mode or something that was mounted jousting or something, then, like, that's different. But I, I think it's good that they don't have mounted combat as part of the core design, because I think it's just too hard to to balance around classes that, you know, ex existing classes in, in either vector. Um, so, but only having one skill is... Or do they have two skills? Do they have, like their jump ability for the ones that jump and then their engage skill the jump is uh as far as i can see i didn't see it on any of the characters uh and the uh the polygon uh live play mm -hmm. didn't show it basically was just triggered by jumping hmm. okay so it looks like you can hold down your space bar for the jumper dude for the rabbit and that will increase the height that you can jump and then the other one's sort of the same thing is the longer you hold down the space bar the longer you're gonna be able to longer or higher you're going to be able to jump okay i got you uh yeah i i mean am i the only one that is that is an avid disliker of mounts in general on this podcast i know eric likes I it obviously I, I like the mount 
I've always felt pretty neutral towards them. I've only played um, Terra and Black Desert with mounts, and I didn't find them offensive in any way in either game. Actually, I take that back. Um, Terra had a thing where you could I can't I don't can't remember if it was like spacebar or whatever, but uh, every mount had a roar or something because it was Terra, and they weren't all necessarily in world mounts like there's like flying cats and police, police cars, cars and all kinds of random crap in terra <laughs> uh, and those things could be spammed in towns and they were really really annoying but i will say it hasn't been confirmed yet but one thing that somebody uh who watched the preview with us picked out this morning was in um the oasis there were signs that had raptors and then a red circle with a cross through it around them so it seems like there may be some areas where they are not permitted um but like i said no confirmation on that just something a little detail that somebody picked up i sure hope so because a big part of my aversion to mounts is i mean a i think that they're just kind of boring i've never really had an attachment to riding on a critter or a creature uh, i just like i understand that from a real world perspective you know there's a reason why we do it but in a game i always think it usually just looks kind of goofy and uh, i i have found that they tend to add a lot of visual noise and clutter to the world and this game is already like pooping rainbows on everything so i'm a little worried about adding large animals that people are riding <laughs> to that uh, now that's somewhat mitigated again by the fact that we can't use them as combat creatures or whatever, you know, can't use them for combat so that at least allays some of that concern. And, you know, if that, if that observation is correct, that you won't be able to use them in towns and things like that, then that's at least in the right direction for me. So I've, I don't know. I, I just don't think that they're that interesting and it's, it feels very weird to me um, where Guild Wars sort of always has and does pride itself on not doing things just because other MMOs do them. And mm -hmm. it's sort of it's sort of funny that both of the expansions now are basically adding major features that are present in every other MMO, uh, which, you know, raids and mounts. Um not that I'm knocking raids as a as a form of content, because I know that that's a huge thing for, you know, a lot of players, especially, you know, I know Spirit, you're huge into raids. Mm -hmm. So that's not a huge knock on it, but it, it does feel a little strange to me, but. No, I, I absolutely agree. And I think, um, I lost my train of thought, so I'll let you continue that and I'll interrupt you if I remember what I was going to say, because I had a good point there, but God only knows what it was now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh. They're making it as kind of a big selling point, and that <laughs> that will literally never sell me on anything to say we have mounts um, ever. But fortunately, um, you know, a I think that it's a smart idea to rein it into you know specific types of mounts for specific purposes, not just mounts are things that make you travel faster, and then you know they're all the same basically. Uh, I, I think that it's smart to have them each have an identity that has a functional difference. And I think that the animals that they chose are at least varied enough and interesting enough that it's pretty cool um, from that perspective, I suppose. Again, I'm a little worried about Gemstore implementation, not the fact that they will 
assuredly sell skins for them, but uh, I really don't want something like the Rainbow Phoenix from Guild Wars 1 to be a skin, which is to say huge and gaudy and in your face. And um, amazing. I mean, look, I'm not going to say I didn't have one, because I did, but they're hideous. Uh, but anyway, it's... I, I think they're making a lot of smart decisions, of, and you just hate beautiful things. That's 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 what I'm hearing here. Yeah, I'm a spiteful, awful person. No, I, I I think that for a feature that I don't care about and actively dislike or find very bland, I think that they've made a lot of good decisions that mitigate at least a lot of the things that I typically have as problems with mounts. So. That may not be a ringing endorsement, but that's probably the most positive you would have ever heard me say anything about mounts in a game. So, you know, uh, I'll take it. Take take it if you as you will. Um, I guess. Uh, so to what I was gonna say before is um, one of the things that I would look for in an expansion is a thing that uh, changes the way I play the game. And I think what I was getting at before, but didn't quite explicitly say when I was saying like mounts are a known quantity, is um, with them being like the selling feature of this expansion, Path of Fire. Have we said Path of Fire? No. I feel like oh, we admitted yeah. that. It's called Path of Fire. Yeah, That's what we're talking about. There's a name to it. Um, yeah, it's not going to change how I interface with the game in a lot of ways like after i have invested so many uh at this point thousands of hours into playing the game when a big expansion comes part of what i'm looking for is something that is going to um you know change my play pattern so that it keeps the game fresh for me uh, mounts sound like great masteries but they don't sound like something that's going to change what I'm doing or how I interact with the world. I'm still going to be exploring. I'm just going to be moving around the world in different ways. And so while that will be fun, it's not going to sell me on the expansion. I mean, I'm going to get it anyway. I already got it, guys. Don't take yeah. that out of context. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, when we say it's not going to sell us, that does not mean in any way that we're not getting this game because most of us probably already paid for it. So yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> why, would, why would you have done that? That's, that's crazy. Um, it's weird. Yeah, it just it just doesn't appeal to me very much where heart of thorns had um you know we're gonna add this new game mode we're gonna add, add raids uh pvp has a new game mode coming elite specs are coming uh, i mean this just seems like <laughs> you would it would surprise you if i said this seems like an expansion on what we already have um but it really does like it, it's not um it's expanding known features instead of adding them which is a little bit disappointing to me because uh that's what the living story has been doing um i was looking for something really different in the x-pack news and i feel like it hasn't quite delivered on that um just in my personal opinion but i, I we'll would see. like to say though that something that mike o'brien said that really resonated with me was that it's not time to reinvent our game and our systems anymore because that has been a frequent point that we've been harping on uh, is that yeah. Guild Wars 2 could not make up its flippin' mind forever. And, sure. you know, so there's a certain extent to which for this expansion, the fact that it sounds like it's going to be just a large amount more of the same is actually pretty good because we've been really happy with the living story and I think we're all going to be really excited to play with new specializations. So 
I guess I would rather have something that adds on to the the groundwork that they laid instead of setting new groundwork because they have a bad track record of that. And uh, I I'm glad to see follow through. I guess is my point. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't disagree. Um, I definitely wanted to see expansion on current things, and we did. In fact, I was really worried uh, because they weren't. They hadn't said anything about it until like right at the end of announcement, but we are getting a new guild hall. And that's something I was worried about, right? Is like these yeah. things that were were laid out in Heart of Thorns, adventures, guild halls, raids. Um, they didn't really talk about specifically how they're going to address them going forward, except for they, they mentioned we're having guild halls. Um, some of the previews were showing like ra- foot races for them, not foot races, I guess mount races, uh, which might be you know, the adventures of the next expansion. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy to see them building on stuff that is laid out. Um, but yeah, I guess I wouldn't have been sad if they were like, oh, we're going to bring back dungeons or, you know, something like that where uh, it alters my play pattern. Because I'm looking at it right now and I'm going, okay... I, I've I've just recently gone through a period of burnout uh, right before uh, episode six, and I've been playing other games a lot. Um, right now, looking at going into the expansion and seeing, okay, I'm going to do the same thing. Like, there's going to be these maps. I'm going to have a mastery. It's going to be adventures. Is that what I really want? Like, I just want a little bit of something else, you know, to mix it up. Um, elite specs are going to do that in a huge way for me. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I elite specs are a huge part of like what keeps the game fresh for me uh but i don't know if it will keep it as fresh as heart of thorns was for me yeah i think interestingly contrary to many sort of popular opinions about heart of thorns we actually got a lot of value out of heart of thorns as a podcast oh absolutely heart of thorns was a great expansion for me i got so little value from that one oh wait i I wasn't on most of those episodes (laughs) uh well, no, I mean, I don't mean episodes. I mean, just we as players, like the members of this podcast, I think that is true. Generally liked Heart of Thorns overall. Uh, yeah. You know, always... there's a lot of popular community sentiment that Heart of Thorns was not a good expansion. And I think that that does not really gel with a lot of our experiences. Yeah. Well, it felt like everything I've done in Heart of Thorns has felt like they built an expansion for what I wanted, you know? And every time someone says, this is the worst expansion, no one wants this. I'm like, but. I want this for me. Yeah, they built an expansion for Relics of War, and we appreciated <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of building expansions for us, how excited are you guys about the locale? Ah, oh, alone. I it, there's a lot of questions I have about like the bat about like Balthazar narratively, but uh, Alona has got me. I I'm just looking forward to seeing Alona. I'm looking forward. I'm I am praying that at some point mad king thorn is gonna like show up this october and be like hey dudes you guys have met my arch nemesis i need you to go make fun of him i would be so happy if that's the case but i don't have much optimism for festivals changing anything they do oh yep that's why we have this podcast spirit so we can say this so many times that eventually eventually it will happen is that is that how things work Mm mm-hmm no. Oh, okay. Uh yeah, I I love Alona. I think that I know that a lot of people loved Cantha and I don't dislike Cantha, but I think Alona was a far more unique setting in the fantasy genre. Um 
And yeah, it's also unique in the sense that like it's you know like if you go to the Conan genre of of that sort of setting because Conan has a fair amount of that. Uh, it's very much so like the primitive concept, whereas Alona was like, no, this is like where civilization survived and is thriving, which I which is a cool sort of twist on what is generally expected in Western literature. Yeah, there are very few examples in games that I can think of, and honestly, in most visual media at all, uh, where the setting is essentially inspired by Africa and the Middle East and is like you know and it's not like oh not look a, at these not poverty or... stricken or war torn yeah. or like revolving around really negative stereotypes like it is in guild wars it is beautiful and it is cool and it is interesting and it's a type of architecture that is almost never explored and it's vibrant like it's it's a wonderful setting that again i mean cantha's great but the Asian sort of the Asian themed settings is something that is explored very frequently. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I have always found I've always found Alona to be more I mean, just more innovative, I guess. So I'm really glad to be going back there. Um, I don't have any super big emotional ties. I mean, it was cool. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Nightfall was great, but I was uh, like nostalgia wise factions was the one that had a bigger impact on me so i'm not uh over it's not like something i was anticipating uh with great excitement just uh i mean i'm happy to be going back there but it wasn't like the thing for me mm -hmm. so yeah i'm i am pleasantly indifferent i mean it, it looks great uh but i'm fine with cantha being you know like next expansion because they just keep getting better as they go right so Dang, that is true. Like, yeah, I feel like both in Guild Wars 1 and uh, starting to show it in Guild Wars 2, I'm very hopeful for Path of Fire. Um, they just get better all the time as they go. Like, the the games age very well, and the later expansions are the best ones by far. So I will take, you know, the next expansion as Kantha to be the most excellent one. Yep, 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 yep. Actually, uh, can I say something about that because i've been looking no. at how they're doing expansions spirit and <laughs> and just okay. so you know we went to the we went to the south west in our last in our first expansion mm -hmm. then then we went to the south east I, th I think we're going to go northeast in our next expansion char expansion okay that's, that's also acceptable i will also i will also take norns and or chars this is acceptable to me Okay, well then, then we're fine. You're good. Oh boy! All right. Well, do you guys want to uh, just jump into the elite specs then? Yeah, because I think I think we're all pretty much just happy and excited about the setting, although we already basically yeah. knew it. But I think that there's not really a lot to say about it since we haven't explored it. We just know that we like the general area, yep. I guess. Yeah. Oh. uh... So speaking of ascending, something uh, kind of tangentially related. They made a bunch of new faces, hairstyles, and beard styles in accordance, uh, you know, so that makes sense with the people of Alona. And those are actually already in Guild Wars 2 right now. So if you were to go roll a character, um, you don't even have to use a makeover kit. You just 
can create characters with new faces and hairstyles and beard styles if you are a human. Unfortunately, it is limited to those, but um, they all look really cool. So I'm pleased. Which is probably what I'm going to do to use up one of those uh, level 80 unlock slots, which Spirit was lamenting her finding finding out that I have still not used mine from Heart Oh of my Thorns. god, when we, when we found out that you could get another one with this pre-order, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And I was like, oh man, there are probably people who haven't used their Heart of Thorns one. And I just you kind of people. like... <laughs> well, so here's the thing that tilts me about it, right? Like... Even if you like, if you are like us and you have loads and loads of 80s, but you were just sitting on it this whole time, that means that you weren't using your shared inventory slot that came with it because you can't remove it. Uh, so you have to use it in order to get that shared inventory slot, which you've had all this time, but you weren't using. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, oh, these people, they could have had the thing, but they wouldn't do the thing. Ah, oh, man. I'm just Every time I'm I sad for you. Into... You could have been enjoying that convenience. Every time I log into my wife's account, I'm like, should I just level up one of these characters to 80? Because it's just sitting there, and she hasn't been to Heart of Thorns or anything, and she's never fully leveled a character to 80 yet. So it's it's one of those things where I'm like, hmm, should I just should I just do this and get her another shared inventory slot? Nah, I probably shouldn't. I, it hurts. Yeah, I mean, I don't really need all of my all of my slots. I mean, I've got the things I need the most, which is my unlimited salvage kits and my passes to the passes to the convenience hall and like a tonic and something else like i don't really need anything else so it hasn't killed me that much but i do understand your pain the best thing about getting it for me is i had 11 of them before and now i have 12 and so they're in perfect lines in my inventory because I didn't want to buy one account bound slot to make them to make them line up with the way I do my inventory, but now I have one. And the worst thing is that I had twenty one character slots before, and now I have twenty two, oh. which means that my character slots don't line up evenly, and that tilts me. Twenty. It was perfect, and now it's not. It's ruined. You're just gonna have to buy like thirty more character slots, I guess. Oh, I do not want more characters. I'm done. I'm tapped out. Ruined. I don't know. You've got to have what? One of each race, one of each specialization, one of like no specialization, so that you can have every no. single combo. I'm done. And then you need to equip all of them in ascended armor and probably I legendary did. armor. I did. I'm done. I'm not doing any more. I mean, that's only that's only doing right by them. Ultimately, you know. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> uh... As I sit here and I'm like, I. Th I think I have every class up to 80, but I definitely do not have every profession uh, unlocked to the extent where, like, they all have... I, I like, I don't think I've finished Chronomancer yet. Okay, right. well, shall we talk about the Elite Specs then, since we're heading that way anyway? Yeah, let's let's do it. Does anybody want to start? Um, uh, Spirit, you start, because Deadeye's first in our notes. Okay, sure, so Deadeye is Thief, Elite Spec... Uh, the weapon is rifle. The mechanic is uh, Dead Eyes Mark, I think is what it's called. It's a mark of some kind. I can't remember exactly what it's called. Um, and the skill type is cantrips. Um, I haven't been able to watch a whole ton about it, but I'm a little bit nervous about it because um, 
rifle as a weapon traditionally not very useful in the context that I generally play, which is group PvE. Um, because it's a long-range, single-target weapon, the damage is usually subpar on it. So, rifle, very, very different weapon compared to anything we've seen so far, I think. Like, you... There's a state where you go prone, and then you get locked in place. You can't move, but you can dodge. And then it changes all of your skills, but all the skills on your rifle go up to 1500 range. So, oh my god, I am never standing in melee at a boss fight again, are you kidding? At, uh, like, world events, I will be on the other side of the map, just not anywhere in danger. There's a, there's a really cool feature where it has a like a kind of a permanent range ring around it. It's not very intrusive, and in fact, I wouldn't have noticed it in the Wooden Potatoes video if he hadn't pointed it out. Um, but there's kind of a range indicator, so you can see when targets are inside your range from that far away, which is cool. Uh, none of the cantrips super stood out to me. Like I said, I I basically have just watched the Wooden Potatoes post-show on this, and then I went back to sleep and woke up for the podcast. You've <laughs> so actually watched basically more than no I have time on to it. See. Because I pretty much just watched the announcement video and then I was at work all day. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, I will say if you want like short official news on everything, the they have an expansion website and the videos that they post on there are different than the ones that they showed in the announcement. Um, they're all like 30 seconds. So if you just want the cliff notes on everything, you can go watch those and, and see some of the animations and stuff. Um, and they they're do pretty, have different they're information. pretty solid yeah. uh, as far as just giving you the a solid cliff note. Yeah, okay. I was really impressed with the expansion website, actually. Uh, the Heart of Thorns one was a little bit of a pain in the butt to navigate, but this one looked really good and had lots of good information and videos tied to it, so it was, it was nice. Okay, cool. Um, Are you excited, though, Kate, that you will now finally be able to use Predator on your Thief? Oh my god, yes. I made Predator was my second legendary, so I made it probably in the first uh i think i made bolts right around the 10 month mark maybe a year so it was and it was my one right after that maybe four months after after i swore i would never do it again after bolt um i went back on my promise a few hundred times um yeah it was my it was my second one and i was like i'm just gonna buy this as an investment right because like Nobody cares about it right now, but in the future it might be a thing because rifle's only on two professions, and surely if any weapon is going to get added to more, it's going to be hammer and rifle because they're only on two each. Uh, so it was a long game. I played an extremely long game, but it has paid off, and I, that's exciting to me to have just all the all the announcements today about the new um, elite spec weapons made me kind of reevaluate which you know weapons that I didn't typically look at before. And see if there is any skins that I would jo enjoy on different classes. So, um, I've got my eye on a couple different rifles that I hadn't really paid attention to before, which is cool, and a couple torches as well, axes even. You know what's super stealthy? A rifle mm -hmm. that looks identical to a giant boat. <laughs> yeah, if I if I didn't own the Predator already, I'd be really tempted to make uh, the HMS Divinity. I hope I see more of them because I haven't actually seen one in-game yet, but maybe we'll see more when the expansion hits. What I am sad about with the whole legendary thing is I have Frostfang, which is an axe, and the next legendary I want to get 
is a hammer. And there is only one class that uses both of those that is worth anything. That is Guardian. Wow. Which is the exact opposite of the Necromancer. I mean, Guardian and Necromancer are my two mains. So but it's not... so, like... But they're not, like... But Guardians are, like... Oh, they're so blue and glowy. Yeah, I get both ends of the spectrum. Like, I'm blacker than the blackest black and the shiniest star of all the stars. <laughs> I also don't mean that... Uh, that uh warrior and radiator are not worth anything i just think it's funny to say yeah yeah um radiator is a revenant for those of you who have not listened to the podcast for two years a while yeah eric what do you speaking of guardian do you have any thoughts on the firebrand i think it's interesting um the dragon hunter was sort of a dps uh monster uh, when it first came out, and I remember people talking about just how much damage they could throw out with it. Uh, and it's interesting that the, it sounds like we're getting more of a support-centric guardian, and it seems like I think I think we're going to be hitting that a lot actually. This uh, this uh, discussion about the different enemies that are or different classes that you have uh, specializations, because it seems like there's there's a very support emphasis, and I think it's going to be interesting. It's kind of interesting that they're using an axe, and, but they're all about books. I don't I guess there's not really a thematic thing that they don't already have that would go with books. They already have focuses, they already have scepters, they already have staffs. So, I guess an axe. I guess I'll have to axe one when uh, I start. I mean, it's going to look great with Astralaria. So, it turns oh, out that I That's true. Locked oh out goodness. with my legendary choice from Hot. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of excited because uh since I have sort of like made the trying to make the Necromancer legendaries that are not like featuring birds, uh i think that ultimately my guardian will look pretty cool because i'll have a necro themed guardian sure so i think i think it'll be interesting so basically the main things that we want to pay attention to with the guardian is the fact that they're getting mantras which is a mesmer skill which should be interesting they're also getting virtues their virtues are changing now has anyone seen those virtues because it sounds like those virtues are going to swap your skills like they would with a uh like a kit like a kit, yeah. They sound almost like kits because they say you're going to use them to buff and attack. Although it could just be like standard virtues and it just is in like book form now. Well, right, but it's if they're tomes, then the tomes that we had before were elite skills that did replace your bar like a kit. So Right, that's why I'm thinking that maybe we are going to actually get like almost like kit selection. Uh, but instead of actually equipping a kit, you're just going to always have them and you can always swap into the kit if you need it, which could be, could be very interesting gameplay. Uh, and then in addition to, yeah, that's pretty much their main thing. So I'm very curious how, how it's going to play out. I've never been super huge fan of the gameplay for any of the heavy classes. They just, I don't know, it doesn't feel great to me. It could possibly be because I just put massive characters on it. So it always feels like I'm really slow because I'm like playing someone that's like 30 feet tall. Um, so I, I am curious how the gameplay is going to feel. Uh, how about you guys? Anything interesting or anything jump out at you with the Firebrand? Uh, I will, for, for a lot of these things, because holy crap, with the preview weekend coming up next week, a balance patch just before the preview weekend, probably not confirmed, but I assume so. And then also... Um, 
an expansion in a month and a half. I'm already thinking about how the raid meta is going to be shifting and it's going to be a really tumultuous time for those of us in that realm. Um, I'm going to have to talk specifics before uh, I make any judgments on that. I mean, it sounds good. Like, they all sound good, but um, I will need to get my hands on them and or at least read through all the traits and skills before I have an accurate assessment on whether I'm going to be playing a lot of it or not in raids. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think the big question is going to be how those virtues work, because if those, if, if, if the Guardian turns into a, an engineer, that's going to be, that's going to be pretty crazy. Uh, so. Yeah, actually, so that really appeals to me. So, like, so what the Hot Elite specs did for me um, with classes that I didn't like before is they offered a way to play them that was different enough from the main class that I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I'm reluctant to say it, but I am a ranger main now. Uh, Despite having main guardian and thief in the past, I've spent most of my Heart of Thorns time on a ranger because of druid. Uh, Where before, I didn't really like ranger because it was very proactive and not very reactive. Uh, And it still is to some extent, like the utility skills are very much fire and forget, but it changed the playstyle enough that I found a way to love Ranger when I didn't before. So if turning Guardian into an engineer brings some new players to Guardian, I think that's extremely beneficial for the health of the game. Although it might turn some Guardian players off Guardian, which is kind of a bummer as well. It's hard to... Like I like uh I like something Wooden Potato said about it, which is basically they took a concept and they just went for it in the like they were like, We are going to fulfill this concept and uh basically be damned what you you know, what you would expect of it. Like we're gonna just go for it and if it works it works and if it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, I think that's gonna be I am very curious to see how these uh, specs actually play out because I think each of them has a lot of are, are definitely going to change the meta of how you actually play each class. Um, speaking of changing the meta, I would expect them to like. Well, so... what's what's really going to be interesting is the fact that this is the first time that it will lock us out of an elite specialization because we can't yeah. take both of them. Where mm-hmm. like before. They added elite specializations, but that didn't really lock you out of anything other than the fact that you could, you know, it took up one of your three lines and you could only have three lines active. But now you won't be able to be both a dragon hunter and a firebrand, right? And so in that in itself will probably have a fairly significant effect both on both on sort of the general meta and also I think it'll have a significant impact on um how each of these is perceived because if they're not better than or equal to their hot variants then i i don't think people are going to use them very often and i don't think that they want them to be strictly better than them either because that would be kind of frustrating but it's yeah it seems like they're going like they're going in very different directions with them uh like the thief uh the thief one in hot was was really about getting up close and personal being very dodgy whereas this one seems to be like stay as far away from someone as possible yeah i mean 
and the guardian one as well sort of range damage whereas this is going to be more up close and personal but also like defensive and that sort of thing so it feels like what they're doing is they're trying to build out the niches of each class each profession profession yeah ideally which i think should bring us to the next profession grybok which is the proverbial or the the constant whipping boy on some level of of being group helpful and that's the necromancer what do you think about the scourge uh i think it's i mean obviously the cop-out answer is i think it's hard to say until we know more information i think the things that they're describing have a lot of potential to be exciting uh it sounds like they're trying to sort of give them a little bit more of a supporty identity i think it's really cool that they uh are doing something i believe even spirit mentioned it as a possibility of of changing how life force is even used in the first place yeah um, i'm so excited yeah <laughs> oh, so, i was so sad last with revenant where they're like there's gonna be a new way to spend your life force and they're like it's a death shroud that's slightly different and i was like that's that's not a new way to spend it yeah so i don't know that we really have very many details other than that they sort of summon these sh- shade spirit things uh, I got kind of a deserty ritualist vibe from what I was seeing, which ritualist was something that I was continually saying as a, you know, as a seemingly clear fit for the necromancer to have a supporty profession. So while this isn't a ritualist, like it may be taking some inspiration from that. But I, again, we don't really know what they do. Um, did I hear from somewhere that? the scourge was meant to be condi based and that they were going to be maybe sort of retrofitting reaper a bit to be more uh to be more like the power spec or am i making that up i think that's the assumption i don't think that anyone confirmed it but we also said that in our chat and i kind of raised an eyebrow because i was like i don't think that's what they said guys but um... the description sounded a lot more like it's going to be like a support spec than a condi spec well, you can be both. But they've always tried to, like, minimize the damage output from a support spec. or And by always, well, I mean in the last... I was going to say, I don't Connie know that Druid. that's really true. So is there is there a really strong, like, DPS druid, though, out there? Uh, I mean, there used to be. It, there's still a role for a DPS druid. It's just that... Um... I don't know. Like, there, there, are, there are still reasons to run Condi Druid, but there are also reasons to run Magi's Druid. Um, and Berserker's Druid isn't really a thing anymore because it can't build enough uh, enough astral force to use uh, Celestial Avatar properly. It, it's that still is, kind of a thing, but not really. That is one reason why I am moderately concerned, and I'm curious to see how they play the Scourge. Because if they do, if it's a really strong support spec, but everyone thinks that it's a Condi spec, I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed. If it's both, a lot of people are going to be like, "This thing is OP," and it's going to get nerfed in one of two ways so it's either not a support spec or not a condi spec well that's what traits are for right like if you take these traits you are good at support and then if you take these traits you're good at condi and I suppose you know they have to you have to make those trade-offs traits and gear yeah so they could make it so it scales really strongly with like boon duration and and healing power buffs and that sort of thing i suppose yeah i I like the aesthetic that they're going for with it. I think the desert themed, you know, sand and and that kind of stuff looks really cool. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I we had a little bit of discussion in the pre-show about offhand versus mainhand versus two-handed weapons for what we all preferred. Uh, 
being granted by elite specializations uh which we may want to talk about in the show again because i i thought it was sort of interesting we sort of had some division on that i personally am a little bit less enthused by offhand weapons because in my i mean offhand weapons offer strong abilities but ones that you don't use that much and so if they if you use them with a main hand weapon that has already been sort of the main weapon that you've been using for five years now that feels like less of a change even if the skills are really good so i prefer sort of main hand and two hand weapons so the choice of having the offhand weapon or the choice of necromancers uh scourges new weapon being an offhand weapon was a little off-putting to me but spirit had a pretty different opinion about that do you want to talk about that some yeah well i was just saying that um i would rather have an offhand weapon than a main hand weapon because i think it kind of um for a lot of cases it has more interesting skills and skills that are stronger and more interesting to apply for me personally um so things that are getting the main hand weapon like the one we talked about was hollow smith which i'm sure we'll get to in a little bit here but hollow smith is getting sword as a main hand weapon and for its offhand weapons because um you know it doesn't have any other ones except for pistol and shield you're kind of left going well sword uh sounds like it's going to be a power main hand weapon but then you've got a condi offhand weapon and pistol and a defensive not really great offhand weapon in shield so you're very much limited by um what you can do with your offhand so i was saying that i prefer the two hands because they come with a very cohesive like well-designed weapon set between the two of them whereas if you get one or the other hand you're sort of left working out how it fits in with the other stuff uh and for me to get a new main hand even though um, I do want to see classes get new main hands with the the way that elite specs work where you have to choose like you you can't combine them the um, you need the elite spec to have the ability to access this weapon um, we're not we don't have the option of combining it with, with weapons that previous elite specs can use um, I mean you, yeah it's just you have to use it with the the core weapons whether it's the main hand or offhand and if they don't have a good pair for it, then you're kind of just out of luck, which is not not a good place to be in. I would rather see main hand weapons come in as a core class feature than a uh, elite spec feature, because that that to me gives you more interesting choices. Because uh, when I get an elite spec, I want really exciting skill choices, like the changing the profession mechanics, new skill types, the interesting traits. Um, and a new auto attack, it, it might apply bleeding when you only had power weapons before, but I don't really care about sitting there audio attacking. I care about what the, what the rest of the build brings. So just personal preference, but I wasn't too excited to see the load of main hand weapons. Yeah, it's, and I think we both agreed though, that two handed weapons were pretty exciting no matter what, <laughs> which is. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. Um, it's, yeah. And I, that's, I mean, that's totally that's a it's a it's just a different priority i suppose and i think it mm -hmm. is sort of going to depend on how good your main hand weapons are in general uh to some extent maybe because like uh yeah anyway it, it, but yeah i think that's interesting i think it's also interesting that some classes are getting both main hand and off hand weapons uh and some are not 
uh, warrior specifically, which we'll get to, uh, has main hand and offhand dagger, which is something. Uh, it's an interesting choice, um, but I think it does push like there is a very thematic element that they're going with each of these classes. And I feel like if you had given warrior, not an offhand dagger, you would have had a lot of like really weirdly visually balanced warriors and play style balanced warriors. It's true. What do you pair in the offhand with a dagger on a warrior? Do you go dagger main hand sword, or do you just go dagger offhand, which maybe you just go dagger offhand. I mean, dagger but, offhand uh, wouldn't be that unusual as a fighting style if you had, you know, sword main hand dagger offhand. But um, the interesting thing is, then you don't get a change to the warrior main skill, which is their, uh, which is the adrenaline skill, because the secondary weapon doesn't affect that. So unless you had like a major change to your secondary, uh, to to how adrenaline works on a warrior in that case. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that also, you know, to speak a little bit about the engineer situation, uh, everything that you said is also true if you just switched it to offhand, because rangers literally only have one on hand that's not a two-handed weapon. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, axe and sword. Uh, I'm sorry, not I mean, uh, engineers rather. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that, I was confused. Uh, so I mean. Engineers would be in a bad situation with any <laughs> offhand or sure, onhand. Yeah, that's <laughs> like I didn't think of that before the show, but then I was like, wait a minute, they only have one one-handed main weapon. <laughs> like that's that's uh, even worse, actually. But anyway, that's fine. Um, <laughs> are you guys surprised? I, well, maybe not surprised, but I think it's a little bit interesting that no class that I would sort of identify as as more almost purely martial in nature uh, got a magical type of weapon, uh, but several magic-y classes got martial weapons. I mean, you you could argue pretty strongly that the warrior is getting... Do we want to, just want to run down what the other classes do? Because I think we've hit like our favorites so far. Do we want to go more in-depth with, with the rest of them? Uh... Or do we want to save that for another podcast? Well, the only thing I'm... I would say is that if we start if we start just talking even more at random, then it's going to be easy to miss one, whereas we were at least sort of going in order, but then we got sidetracked really hard, so I don't okay. know. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, actually head to bed now. I'm sorry, people listening to the podcast, but sleep calls me. It is a requirement in my existence. I mean, we so. could speed through the rest of the classes pretty quick then without giving more than a you know 20-second thoughts. Is that acceptable well i was thinking just let you guys finish off the uh finish off the podcast and i will and i will go and do my sleeping thing uh, i mean we can do that too um yeah i mean there's there's a lot here i'll be able to weigh in on at later points but uh i am i'm very excited for this expansion sure okay well uh it's been great having you on the show and i guess spirit and i will just keep on yammering and yakking for a while you guys got this i will listen and then i'll tell you where where you're wrong or or right I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, All right. Good night, podcast folk. Good night. Okay, good night. Spirit, I will have you know that I have now created and used my level 80 thing just in time to get another one. Both of them? Huh? Okay. I was going to say both of them? Did they... uh, um, I actually haven't haven't purchased it yet, but I'm I'm about to, but uh, does it apply to your account immediately? I believe so. Oh, crazy. Uh, Anyway, now that that's done. Um, 
Yeah, what do, you, what do you think about that, though, with the martial classes sort of remaining strictly martial, but the magical classes sort of branching more into the physical realm? Do you think that's fine? Do you think it's more easy um, to accept? I don't really have strong opinions either way. I'm kind of cool with them going both ways, I guess, just uh, for whatever reason they decided that thematically when they were making these professions it turned out like that way i don't think they like i don't i don't think they set a precedent and they were like magic classes can go physical but not the other way around i think it just kind of worked out that way yeah well yeah i think that that's a fairly common design trope uh i i guess i can think of a few examples of people that are mostly sort of fighty and then maybe pick up a magic trick here and there but i think it's much more common that you get somebody that's like a wizard and then they like learn how to use a sword a little bit <laughs> you know they go they go the other direction um i feel like thief could have been well on, on the one hand i feel like thief could have gone in that direction as sort of a deceptive kind of mesmery direction uh, well it's got i mean it did get cantrips don't forget that's uh, true which are that's true. magic so it, it is using shadow magic it's just not the weapons yeah maybe the way we'd expect shadow magic to manifest i don't know but the it, thematically it definitely has it yeah that's true um but you know yeah they could have had a, a focus or a scepter you know be, sure. but but that's fine I'm, I'm not really upset about it i just think it's it's just something i've sort of noticed but anyway mm -hmm. uh do you want to move on to the mirage the mesmer yeah so mirage is an interesting one uh, it is getting axe main hand, I believe. Yes. And uh, the profession mechanic, I'm kind of unclear on, but it seems that it replaces your dodge with a stationary evade. And that sounds really weird and messed up to me, but it has a really heavy focus on clones. So there's some interesting things you can do with it where... There's like a skill that repositions all your clones. So when, you know, when people figure out which one you are, you can stand still, dodge to evade, you know, whatever stuff is hitting you, randomize all your clones, and it really brings that uh, excellent mindfuck <laughs> that Mesmers are famous for, you know? Yeah. Uh, they are going to get even worse if you already hate fighting them, if you have a hard time picking out which one's the real Mesmer. Uh, I like it from the idea, because people were saying that clones are really where the damage is coming from. I would really, really like to see a clone-based Mesmer in PvE. Uh, Phantasms have reigned uh, far too long because they don't die. They're the sustained damage thing, but I would really like to see a burst or sustained damage like Clone Factory Mesmer build come into PvE, because we haven't had one of those... Oh gosh, maybe since early on. I didn't really play Mesmer in the very, very early stages of the game, but we certainly have one, had one since I've been paying attention to. I mean, it never really as worked as closely as I have. It never really worked early on, just because. I mean, they just, you know, they die in one hit to literally anything, and using them for burst damage uh, doesn't help. If I mean, usually burst damage builds the idea is to do a significant amount of damage that will you know kill or significantly hamper the enemy and mesmers are much more tailored towards pvp uh damage numbers because mm -hmm. because they're so based on 
uh, mobility and sort of shenanigans. They don't want them to do insane, insane damage in a burst um, that would be required for PvE. You know, uh, warriors can frequently do big bursts of damage, but that's because they have to stand still to do it. And in PvP, that makes it very hard to execute those huge damage combos. And so that's a fine like balance point. But with Mesmer's, like you don't stand still. You're, you know whooping and whooping and invisibling and <laughs> teleporting and reflecting and doing all sorts of crazy stuff and so the burst is balanced around that which means that it's sort of not balanced for pve so clones have always been in a tough spot in pve in this game as far as i can remember so yeah um yeah between between the mesmer and the guardian both getting main hand axe i'm super i'm super happy that i made astralaria i think it's gonna look super amazing on both of my characters yeah i'm gonna have to i may end up surrendering to the astralaria gods but we'll see well maybe then we can do our our heart of thorns together oh yeah that would make it more bearable (laughs) yeah maybe dude maybe we should just do that for our podcast just like silently be doing our map <laughs> completes in the background and then just talking for hours and hours and hours uh-huh yeah like see you too fellow listeners can do this because we can talk for ages about things while we're doing it and you can listen to us while you're doing it uh there you go all right cool uh, was there anything else you really want to say about the mirage or you find moving on the skill type is deceptions previously only shared with thief so there could be an interesting you have to remember uh if i don't think they said anything about this but if they do the same setup as heart of thorns uh there's also going to be a rune type for each one so the Mm. ones that share skill types with existing classes could get some interesting new rune options so keep an eye out for that there's um with firebrand sharing meta no, not meditations. Uh, what, are, what are they? <laughs> Mantra. That's the one. Oh god, there's so many, so many words today to remember. Like all the new stuff. I was looking at the elite spec icons, going, I will never remember these. Oh my god. Wait, which, um, which ones are mantras? Mantras are the ones that you charge up, and then you can use them like three times in a row. Yeah, but are we? Sorry, I, I spaced out for a second. Are we talking about spellbreaker? Or are we talking about? just mesmer in general we're talking about firebrand because it has mantras right mesmer has mantras so that that also could open up some interesting choices with uh mantra runes on both classes yeah yeah okay i got you uh so spellbreaker you you want to talk about that now or i mean i can talk about it but are you ready to move on yeah go for it yeah so spellbreaker is a is the warrior specialization it gets to use daggers in both hands it i get sort of a i mean in some ways, I kind of get a dervishy vibe from this because I sort of associate dervishes with being um, sort of anti-castery in Guild Wars 1. And I mean, obviously, they didn't use dual daggers, but uh, like, I think they did have meditations in Guild Wars 1, which I mm-hmm. I think that's right. Um, it seems like... It sounds like they have some interrupt skills, which is something that is not heavily focused on in this game. Um, obviously, conditions will interrupt, but usually they are longer casting skills because the conditions, uh, you know, like knockdown and such, 
uh, tend to be very strong, or there's a big um, uh, drawback for using them, uh, e.g. headbutt, <laughs> where you stun yourself. Um, mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to have a, a class seemingly focused on that type of gameplay. Uh, did I also do I also remember something about having boon teardown from one of the videos? Oh yeah, they hate boons so much that their elite skill, uh, like it's all about purity with them. So their elite skill removes all boons and conditions from everyone in an area. Like it just rips it. And their even their heal skill, um, the spellbreaker specific one, rips all boons off the character in exchange for healing, which I don't think that'll last long. Like, that sounds like a recipe for a very much unused skill to me. But uh, they are certainly going for it uh, in terms of thematicness. We'll see how it works out. Um, I am a little bit wary about it because it sounds to me like a very PvP-based spec. Mm -hmm. uh, and we said that about the Scrapper, and the Scrapper has not turned out to be a very good uh, PvE Specs. I'm a little bit nervous for the warrior mains, and you know, hoping that they get their their day with a good elite spec for them. Uh, but I am interested in the theory, at least. So a lot of these specs, um, I guess, the ones we haven't talked about yet: Weaver, Scourge, and uh, Spellbreaker. Very interesting applications, I think, in World v. World. Uh, yeah. Where the Scourge has the the boon rip and the like torment punishment kind of thing going. The Spellbreaker has a like a front frontline brawler warrior to rip down some of those boons that people have been complaining about. Like everything poops out boons. So there's <laughs> a counter to that now. Um, and, and the Weaver with just the way it fights, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, very, very interesting applications uh, for not the raid scene, like because I need to remember that that exists too. I mean, I could just talk about what I, what I'm looking forward to, but yeah, yeah, it'll. And I remember saying this a lot about Heart of Thorns. Also, it will be dependent in a lot of ways, I think, on how they design the enemies and the content. You know, if mm -hmm. if the if we are only looking at it through a lens of what the current game offers in terms of challenge and necessity and you know i think in a lot of ways heart of thorns delivered that we were looking at a lot of these specs that we sort of thought in core tyria are not super important and especially with the support type role and they yeah. really amped up the content in heart of thorns both in raids and just the open world uh to really demand or at least facilitate a lot of those things being useful and so with now several classes leaning towards boon ripping it would not surprise me if there was a heavier focus on enemies using boons and wanting to include those types of abilities um so but if they don't then you know it's gonna be like you said it's gonna be pretty limited to more pvp focused and world v world focused but yeah, I'm I'm willing to see how it goes. I think at least thematically that the Spellbreakers are a really cool profession uh, direction, and so mm -hmm. I, I like the way that they're going with it. Um, yeah, uh, even if we don't find Boone, uh, Evie was saying there's some you know potential interesting applications with Spellbreaker. You could go like um, 
punish enemies that don't have boons, so you get benefits uh, when things don't have boons, or you can go with, like, a poop. Did the internet go out? No. What? Oh, man, everything disconnected for me for a second. No. Uh, the other thing that Evie was saying, so he said you can go with uh, punishing things for not having boons, or you can go with... Um, it could be an interesting power spec for Warrior, because the... Berserker has been good for their Condi, but the power aspect of Warrior has really been coming down and hasn't uh, is is no longer really favorable. So depending on the traits, there could be some interesting uh, combinations with like power PS could could be a spellbreaker now because he was saying they stack a lot of might. That's something I'm actually really worried about. I have to say that uh, might is a very common theme. On a lot of these, people are saying, oh yeah, it stacks so much might, it stacks so much might, which is fine. And we've actually reached a point in the raid meta where people are trying to replace PS Warriors already uh, because there are builds that do as much might and fury, but uh, more damage. And you can have one warrior take both banners to hit all 10 players. So there's been a lot of experimentation with moving warriors out. And I don't want... This is kind of tangential, but uh, I don't want to reach a point with raids where we don't think about might. Like, the offensive support should be a very important part of your raid comp. So if everyone can do it and just does it passively, I'm really worried about how... Not necessarily passively, but like as part of their normal DPS build, I'm worried that might support builds are going to kind of go away, which is not a good place to be in. It's, 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 it's already kind of happened with Fury, right? Because you used to take the... There wasn't enough Fury in the party, so you would take Revenants because they provided Fury and that boon duration thing, or you would take a Ranger with a Tiger pet because they did the Ranger thing and they provided some Fury. Whereas now, between Chronomancers, Signet of Inspiration, and you always have a con DPS now, you have enough Fury all the time. You never need to think about it because Fury is just provided by the classes that you're going to run anyway. And I really don't want to see Might hit that point. Vulnerability also, like an extremely important debuff that has to be on the raid. You never think twice. You don't ever, ever, ever build for vulnerability because just because there's 10 people in a raid, there's going to be 25 stacks of vulnerability. I don't want to, I don't want to see that with might. So. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is because unlike regular conditions, boons and vulnerability do not, there is no, there's no way to spec for it. There's no, in the sense of uh, stat wise, like it's worth the same value regardless of who does it. So back in, you know, Back in the day with conditions, it used to be more of a problem where you would sort of override your condition characters bleeding or whatever with a terrible bleed that was applied on an auto attack from a class that wasn't really a condition spec. And mm -hmm. that was a huge problem for condition classes because they were investing stats to make their conditions do something good and the stacks were getting overwritten. So that problem has never really existed for um, boons because they just provide percentage buffs or or things like that. But uh, and, and same with vulnerability. 
but in a way that's sort of its own design weakness too because the fact that they don't the fact that a boon from any person is just as good as that same boon from any other person regardless of their Mm -hmm. stats and builds and traits with the only exception being duration i suppose uh means that sort of this incidental application of these boons um sort of both trivializes and makes it uh, not effective to actually build around doing it because they're sort of incidentally ending up there and they're just as good as somebody any, you know anybody that's dedicated to do it and so that's sort of pushing a lot of those types of builds out you know as you're mentioning mm-hmm. uh, whereas like with conditions once they once they fixed the condi cap um people specced into conditions because condition damage was worthwhile if you specced into it but you had to spec into it and the incidental application didn't really bring any value but it also didn't really hurt anything but incidental vulnerability and might and such and fury uh, contributes just as much no matter how dedicated your build is to it so i think i sort of just talked myself in a circle but yeah the point is since there is nothing that since the only thing that is affected by your build is um duration and duration doesn't really matter if you just keep getting it uh it it definitely that's definitely a real concern uh from a build diversity standpoint that it sort of makes some of these types of roles obsolete almost on accident you know mm-hmm. so yeah I, I think that's a a totally valid concern um especially from a rating standpoint where you're coordinating big teams right so yeah, yeah. <sighs> okay weaver uh do you want to talk about weaver sure so weaver is the ellie spec it gets a main hand sword uh the utility skill is stances and the unique profession mechanic is that you can be attuned to two elements at the same time so how this works is you have your normal five skills on the bar with whatever weapon you have. So let's say a staff. Um, and when you start out, you are attuned to fire, fire. So you decide you want to swap attunements, you attune to lightning. The one, two, and three skills become lightning, and the three, four, and five skills become fire. Now you notice I said the three skill twice. That's because the middle skill becomes a new skill that is any combination of the attunements that you can think of. So lightning earth, earth water, earth fire, all the variations, you get a dual skill. Very much like Thief. Yes, very much like Thief. And in fact, uh, it's kind of been fun to see Mirage, one of their things is they got ambush skills, which is the flip over skill when you attack something from stealth on a thief. So it's cool to see those uh, unique profession mechanics getting spread around a little bit. Yeah, I actually really like the context-sensitive skill 3. I think that that was one of the coolest things that they did with the skill system in this game, and I've always been sad that Thief was the sole class that got to do anything with it, because Mm -hmm. I think that alone would make... Well, first of all, it would make offhand weapons a hell of a lot more exciting. Um, But it really... Yeah, I mean, it really makes your weapons feel even more significant, I guess, when... It's not just what weapon you have, it's it's the combination of weapons is more than the sum of its parts. Um, so I, I think it's going to be really cool for Elementalists to get this. I feel like this is going to be a huge handful, uh, especially if you are 
already sometimes overwhelmed by the amount of options with attunements. Oh, yeah. Um, holy moly. I think this class is not for me just from a attention standpoint. <laughs> I I think I am now too casual to play this specialization. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm sure I can make it happen, but... Uh, I, I and that's not a complaint. I think that's really great because I know that there's people that are gonna love the style of play. Uh, but I'm just sitting here going, oh, oh, oh boy, uh, that's it's pretty crazy. So it gets main hand sword, right? Did we mention that? Other than yeah. in other discussions, yeah. Uh, main hand sword. I feel like the shining blade is going to be awesome looking <laughs> with this. Uh, which is great that we just got that in Living Story. Uh, got the ability to see what that looks like, and uh, you can you can make it now. So if you were on the fence about which profession you wanted to use it with, uh, maybe now you have a little extra oomph. Mm-hmm. I think we've been wanting Main Hand Sword for a long time on Elementalist, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. That's uh so with this expansion adding sword to two classes, the only class that can't wield a sword now is Necro. Engineer? Engineer's getting sword this expansion. Oh I guess oh god, I keep forgetting that. Yeah, okay. Uh poor Necros, boohoo. Uh Yeah. That's <laughs> fine. Fine, it's fine. Oh man, I'm just thinking about all of these double attunements with all of the existing uh Ellie skill or weapons, like Oh yeah. The applications with the existing traits are going to be and skills and things are going to be really interesting like uh wooden potatoes are showing off a fresh air build so one of the one of the parts of this is the attunement cooldown is reduced to three seconds so you can swap an attunement every three seconds but you fresh air deletes the cooldown entirely if you crit so (laughs) he was playing a build in the pvp lobby that was just like smashing attunements over and over it was insane good good god yeah yeah, wow. That's uh that sounds hard to balance. Mm-hmm. Uh boy. It's I I think it'll be a blast. I mean it's it sounds very very cool, very exciting. Uh man. It's I think that's one of the I'm not I don't know if I'm gonna say unique, but at least uh it's it's gotta be the most complicated specialization. Yeah, it reminds me of uh when they were describing Kernomancer for Heart of Thorns and we were like, damn, that is a thing. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's cool. I know. I I'm sure all the Ellie mains out there are gonna be ecstatic, ecstatic. Cool. Um, you want to move on to the Ranger? Something that I think a lot of other Ranger players sure. will be excited about. So Soul Beast is the Ranger spec. It has dagger main hand. It has I actually don't know what their utility set is yet. Um. Stances. Well, it says bestial stances. stances. I don't know if that's different than stances. Well, I think that's stances. It's probably. Okay, so stances. that's cool. So then, then two classes are getting stances, which means we'll get two rune options of stances, which means warrior will have more stances. Oh, good, 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 good. All right, I need to get on my theory crafting when I see what all the traits are. I'm so excited for this. The the build craft uh, hype is super on the choo choo train of hype. Um. The profession mechanic is that they absorb the pet and then you get the pet skills as your profession mechanic. I'm not super sure how I feel about that. I am definitely a latecomer to the ranger profession. I've never felt 
super like my pet is holding me back or anything. It just feels like an extra utility skill that I have um, that does a little bit of extra stuff, but I don't feel hampered by it or anything. Well, I think so... a big part of that being a latecomer is that I I feel that in earlier builds of the game, they were overly balancing around your pet being a significant contributor to your DPS, which it mm-hmm. wasn't. So I think that they've buffed Ranger decently, probably before you started playing it more heavily. Yep. Um, so, I mean, for you, that's not as much of an issue as I think a lot of people that were sort of OG ra- uh, Rangers. Um at least in terms of how you feel about the uh, the class. Um, but I know that there's some people that just hate pets in general, but really like the sort of wilderness-themed character. And so, you know, at least for those people, I think they're going to be really excited by this. I wasn't sure from previews, uh, is, is the pet going away like something that will just be always? Or is that something that you activate and it's temporary? Or is it something that you switch on and off? Or do we know that detail? Uh, my understanding is it's something that you switch on and off. It lasts as long as you want to, but in order to swap pets, you would have to leave and then swap and then go back in, and that's the drawback. Okay, okay. Boy, that's another that's another kind of crazy one, depending on how they implement it, because there's so many pets. Uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Do you know if you get like a stat boost also for merging with your pet? I do not. I, I admit I haven't seen much about Soul Beast because Wooden Potatoes didn't preview it and I just haven't dug into it yet. So I know the basics, but that's about it for that one. Yeah. Okay. How do you feel about the name? <laughs> I'm not huge on it. <laughs> I have to say it's not like Dragon Hunter levels where it's like, Ooh, dude, I think I it kind of is. I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty anti Soul Beast. It sounds like it sounds like a budget PS1 fighting game. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> like, man, I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty down on Soul Beast as a name. I think that's gonna be my, I think that's gonna be my kicking, my punching bag. This, this expansion. Yeah, I got used to Dragon Hunter, but I was very much not happy with it when I heard it for the first time. I can understand. Dragon Hunter is just are. boring sounding. Sure. Soul Beast is like, oh, I don't. Yeah, okay. Anyway, I'm not going to rag on it too much. <laughs> Alright, do we want to move on to the radiator? Holy crap, yeah, the radiator. Uh, It has a short bow. Yep. Um, It has, the new legend is Kala Scorch Razor, which is freaking dope, because give me more char things and Norn things, and screw the Sylvarius or humans because they get everything, and I want other stuff. Um, yeah, super psyched to see that. Uh, the utility skills, I was a little bit unclear on because Revenant's always weird because they don't get a class of utility skills, right? They just get a legend that has some stuff. Yeah. It seemed like they were summoning things like ranger spirits, which, uh, in case you're already confused about the Revenant like trying to be a ritualist, it continues to try and be a ritualist, which is weird. Yeah. Um, but a char ritualist, which is... Extra Sick. weird, yeah. No, amazing. I don't think it's extra weird. I think it's extra awesome. It could be weird in a good way. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, so I haven't, uh, again, seen much about that one because it was not previewed and I just saw a few things. I saw some of the short bow skills that concerned me a little bit. There was one where they, like, um, 
started spread out and then came together. So aiming that is going to be super tricky. Like as opposed to skills that fan out from your character, it does the opposite thing where it starts in a line with your character and then merges to a point. Huh. Interesting. Uh, I think I I think at the very least I'm really excited just by the legend alone. Uh you, without talking about gameplay mechanics, like you said mm-hmm. more char. I think it's great. I think Call of Scorch Razor is uh an awesome character from Guild Wars 1 or at least related to Guild Wars 1. Uh was she in Guild Wars 1? I don't actually remember anymore. No, she was not. Okay. Yeah. She was so after She's the granddaughter or grand cub, if you will, of Pyre Fearshot, who was a char ranger who joined your crew in Heart of the North. Um, or, yeah, Heart of the North. Uh, Eye of the North? What's that? Sorry, our Eye of the North. Yes, thank you. Uh, what am I thinking of? I guess I'm just thinking Heart of Heart Thorns. Of- but there was also Heart of the North, right? Like, wasn't that a was town Hearts or an outpost? North. It, no, that was a... Um, wasn't it Hearts of the North was the Gwen Thackeray or Gwen and Kieran Thackeray uh, romance living world, so to speak? Yeah, but wasn't it, wasn't Heart of the North? Wasn't it like the big tower? Gosh, that was I, the main outpost. Oh my god, it's been that's too long. Eye of the North. Oh, frick. that's why it's called what Eye is, of the North. What is even happening? Yeah, uh, because we've been podcasting for two hours and we're going a little loopy. Oh anyway, yeah, confirmed. Uh, Anyway, uh, he joined you, and Call of Swordtracer led a uh, rebellion against the Flame Legion, who are sort of the titular char bad guys who were major antagonists to the humans in Guild Wars 1, but also sort of enforced a tyrannical society upon the char and oppressed the female char uh, in Guild Wars 1, and all that jazz. So to have sort of a legendary char as a as a legend i think is is tight also i hope we get some dialogue about ritlock using call of scorch razor's legend Ooh, yeah that could be cool that could be amazing uh i i just thought of that just now anyway ah i can't believe i didn't think of it until just now but one of the things they showed off uh and we're gonna tangent away do you want to do we have one more should we we just talk about hellsmith okay Hollowsmith, engineer, uh, sword. Can't remember what the utility is, but they sort of manifest light into these different weapons. So it looked kind of like conjures. I don't think they were conjures, but it, that's what it reminded me of. To be honest, my guess is that just each skill is going to like materialize a weapon and use that for the skill. I don't think you're actually going to be like. I could be wrong. That this is just my yeah, guess. Yeah, no, that's that's all I meant. Is like it reminded me of conjures in that you get a new weapon, but I don't think it functions like conjures. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Don't know a whole lot about them either, other than that sword, pistol, sword, shield is going to be odd. But sword, shield on NG sounds freaking sweet to me. I just hope they revamp the shield skills to be a little bit more up to date. Yeah. Also. Yeah, apparently you like use your skills and then you gather heat and then you explode, which I assume is positive. Uh, I hope. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I honestly, I have no idea what to think about this. It looked visually impressive. I don't. I don't really. I didn't pay that close of attention to what was going on, like with any more detailed videos. And like I said, I had to get back to work, so I missed any you know wooden potatoes videos or anything like that that may have happened today. Mm-hmm. 
I don't have a lot of thoughts on it. I'm not a mate. I'm not a big NG player in the first place, so. NG has been one for me that I've always wanted to get into, but not ever clicked with. Like, Scrapper could have been a thing for me, but Scrapper just wasn't ever really used in PvE where I play a lot, so I never really got into Scrapper. Yeah. But I really like the idea. I hope that Hollowsmith does get used more, because if it does, I will be all over that. Yeah. Also, this is a very Asurin themed specialization. I mean, I know that it's not, you know, there's no canon um, race tied to each of these, but mm-hmm. holographic stuff in general, it, Asurans are really the only race that have anything even approaching that level of technology. Um, and by approaching, I mean they use it all the time. It's not, it's not approaching. They have that sure. technology and nobody else is even approaching it. So uh, that's pretty cool. I, I assume there's a lot of certain engineers out there that are going to look awesome while doing this. So, so yeah. Anyway, so what was the other thing you were about to tangent on before you realized there was only one thing left? Uh, one of the really cool things that I was so excited to see in the previews today is that there are actually um, in-game NPCs that rock the elite specializations and will tell you lore about them. Um, and pretty much all I have to say about that is, is it's about damn time. Uh, that should have been in there with Heart of Thorns. I really wish it was, and maybe they'll even go back and add some, I can hope. I doubt. But uh, I was so glad to see NPCs that are like actually integrated with the world and talking about, the, I'm a Mesmer, this is what it means to be a Mirage, this is how I do things different than a normal Mesmer, and to get that kind of lore background in for those characters. Um, yeah, absolutely. Plus so I- glad to see that they've rectified that mistake. Yeah, I like thematically the idea that we're learning something from our Alonian brethren um, mm-hmm. rather than just sort of, you know, I'm a Reaper now <laughs> because I crashed in yeah. the Duma. <laughs> like, <okay. laughs> All right, cool. Like, <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's cool, I, you know, and they don't necessarily all have to be Alonian teachers, uh, although I would sort of imagine that's probably what they're going to go with. But just in general, I think it's cool to have the concept sort of established as existing and being created and not just sort of appearing out of thin air, even though, you know, obviously they're going to appear out of thin air since they didn't exist before the expansion, but you can at least make it seem like in universe they existed. We just didn't know about them or yeah. whatever. So, yeah, I think that's great. Oh, boy. <laughs> I also am getting tired, and I didn't even have a crazy sleep schedule like you did today. Um, was there anything else you want to talk about, or do you want to just, like... I'm just going to have a skim through the show notes and make sure we hit all of the really important <sighs> things. I think we really did, except for the letter. Did you catch anything about the Choya? The what? The Choya. Nope. Okay, so did you notice in any of the previews there is these little, like, demon tomatoes? Are they the things that kind of look like quaggins that Peter Freeze was talking about? Yeah, like an unholy union of a quaggin and a cactus. Yeah. Yeah, basically they're, they're like demon vegetables, and when you kill them, <laughs> they explode. Okay. And they, not like in the in-game sense, like their death animation is them exploding, and you crack them open, and they're actually like kiwi fruits and watermelons. That's horrifying. Adorable. <laughs> yeah, and kind of weird. That's great. But uh, I am I am receptive to our new Choya overlords. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, I can dig it. I can get behind it. I can murder it for food. Oh my god, that would be horrible if they were like new cooking items. Like you got watermelon. new gatherables. Oh my god, that would be horrible, but kind of awesome as well. Yep, yep. Confirmed. It's gonna happen. Ugh. All right. Uh, I'm I'm gonna read my letter from old timey friends. That's sure. I'm ready to move out. Do you you want to cast cast it though? Sure. Hello and welcome to cast cast the podcast within the podcast, but the cast of other podcasts and stuff. Cast of other podcasts this week on cast cast. Old timey friend sent us some letters. Do you also want to read yours uh, after I, I, I accidentally read this one? deleted mine? I can't. You are literally the worst. All right, I know. I, I'm gonna do my old timey voice if I can. <sighs> All right. Hail, Grybok, you old char tail tuft! I wanted to thank you for putting old Timey's letter on the shortwave. I found this old map in my library, which smells of rich mahogany, by the by. Did you. do you think it's the one old Balthy Bones was after? Nah, probably not. Anywho, I'd best be getting back to Noran. We've decided to try playing black- backgammon. In the words of an old friend, this won't end well. Uh, he sent me a map for the something world v world siege something or other, which is very fitting for <laughs> Yaxpend. Um, I love it. Thank you. Thank you for your uh, <laughs> thank you for your mail and continued support for the war effort. Um, <laughs> uh, I love those every time. Uh, yeah, I I I think we've hit a wall, and I'm just pretty much just gonna end this episode sure. unceremoniously. <laughs> Uh, so thank you for joining me, Spirit. Thank you for joining me on the same day that you woke up at butts o'clock, uh, because the Oceanic time zone is not cooperative with the Pacific time zone for morning announcements. And, uh, we'll be back sometime probably next week to either talk more about the expansion or to actually talk about the living story story, which we put off last week and this week. So... Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we will return soonish. Hello, welcome. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's going in the end. Uh, this has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofor.com, email us at relicsofor at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.